What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Jazzy, and welcome to Before the Script. In this podcast, we'll be diving into the real people and situations behind movies and TV shows that were based on actual events. So let's hop right in. The first story we're going to dive into is the story of Ron Stallworth, the man behind the movie Black Klansman. So if you haven't seen Black Klansman, first, why not? The movie is amazing, and it's from 2018, so you've had plenty of time. Secondly, it's a Spike Lee joint, which is enough reason to watch it anyway. It's about a Black man who is an undercover detective that joins the KKK. Intrigued? You should be. It's great. Watch it. (laughs) I'm sure you can stream it somewhere. So Ron Stallworth was born on June 18, 1953. He was born in Chicago, but his family moved to El Paso, Texas while he was still young. This is a major factor in the man that Ron grew up to be, and in his book he expresses gratitude for his mother moving the family to El Paso. In Ron's book, Black Klansmen, Race, Hate, and the Undercover Investigation of a Lifetime, he says that moving the family to El Paso was the best decision his mother ever made because El Paso was, quote, A far cry from the poverty, gangs, and conflict in the city's south side, talking about Chicago, where I would have come of age if she had not left. Ron spent the rest of his childhood in Texas, where he graduated from high school in 1971. The following year, his family moved to Colorado Springs. Now, even in high school, Ron was getting involved in ways to make it a better place. He was a cheerleader, a student council member, and a member of a district-wide advisory board. So it should have come as no surprise when he also joined the Colorado Springs Police Department later that year, becoming the first black cadet of the department. He was sworn in as a police officer two years later on his 21st birthday, making him the first black person to graduate from their cadet program and the department's first black police officer. Now, even as a cadet, Ron knew he wanted to become an undercover officer. As a matter of fact, he would often ask questions to the undercover narcotics investigators and try to pitch himself to them, telling him, telling them why he would make a good undercover officer. And after not too long, he gets his chance and becomes the department's first black undercover investigator. This man had a lot of firsts. His first assignment was to attend a rally. It was an event at a nightclub in which Kwame Ture was invited to speak. Let's sidebar right there. Have you ever heard of Kwame Ture? Born Stokely Carmichael, he was an organizer in the civil rights movement and in the global pan-African movement. He was also a key leader in the development of the Black Power movement. He later became the honorary prime minister of the Black Panther Party and was one of the original freedom riders of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. So, as a native Trinidadian, Ture was trying to do good by Black people around the world, but, nevertheless, the Colorado Springs Police Department was worried that his speech at this event would incite violence. They asked Ron to go undercover to observe the speech as a member of the crowd, and he, of course, accepts very enthusiastically. Now, in the film, you can see Stallworth was moved by Ture's words. He found himself agreeing with what Ture was saying, sometimes mumbling words of agreeance. And this is true. Ron Stallworth is, after all, a black man. He was sent out on this assignment because he is a black man. And he felt a connection to what Ture was saying to the crowd. 
In the movie, you see a scene in which a white cop gropes and harasses the woman Ron was dating. Now, this scene never actually happened in real life. But in his memoir, Ron talks about a white cop named Ralph who shot and killed a teenage boy. Due to loyalty from others in the department and local government, he was able to keep his badge. Again, this was pre-ACAB, when most black cops were still black first, and Ron Stallworth was drawn in by Torrey's words. And now, a brief ad. Do you want to keep up with the latest in sports news and commentary from a fresh perspective? JD Sports Corner is a website that covers the NFL, NBA, WNBA, NHL, World Cup, and the Olympics, with new articles published regularly to give you your year-round fix of sports news. So if you're tired of getting your sports news from the same old commentators, pop over to jdsportscorner.com. That's J-D-S-P-O-R-T-S-Corner.com. Thank me later. And now, back to the show. So in 1978, Ron was in his office reading the local newspaper when he saw an ad that didn't sit right with him. The ad read, Ku Klux Klan, for information, and listed a P.O. box. They were seeking members for a new chapter of the KKK in Colorado Springs. Quite naturally, he felt that this was a threat to his community, so what did he do? He responded to the ad. He provided a phone number, and a member of the Klan called him right after receiving his letter. Stallworth posed as a racist who hated Blacks, Jews, Mexicans, and Asians, using any and all derogatory nicknames he could think of. What's a little different than the first call in the movie is that Ron told the Klansman that the reason he wanted to join was because his sister was dating a Black man, not that she was harassed by a Black man. As Ron Stallworth recalls, he said, quote, My sister is dating a black man, and every time he puts his filthy black hands on her pure white body, I cringe. I want to do something. End quote. He was then told, quote, you're just the kind of guy we want. He learned that the man on the other end of the line was actually a soldier at Fort Carson, which is about 20 minutes away from Colorado Springs, and they arranged a meeting at a local bar. Now, obviously, he couldn't show up to meet a member of the Klan and have the meeting go successfully, so he got help from a white undercover narcotics officer. That officer's lieutenant actually told Ron that the plan would never work because he would immediately recognize from the officer's voice that he's not black. Ron asked what a black man sounds like, and the lieutenant told him, you know, shucking and jiving, and mother, mm-hmm, this and that. Ron told the lieutenant that he could shuck and jive and speak proper English. So the plan progressed. The officer wore a wire to record the conversation and from there on out would pose as Ron when meeting the clan in person. The real Ron Stallworth would continue the phone conversations with the clan, but this wasn't a two-man job. Other undercover officers from the Colorado Springs Department and other departments joined in on the investigation as well. Also, the true identity of the officer who posed as Ron is unknown. It was never revealed, and Ron changed it for the book. All we know is that he was not Jewish, and there is no Flip Zimmerman. Now, if you've already seen the movie, then you already know. But if you haven't, you may be wondering if Ron used his real name in his initial contact with the clan. And the answer is yes. Now, if you're wondering why, well, he actually addressed this in his book. He said, quote, 
The simple answer is I was not thinking of a future investigation when I mailed the note. I was seeking a reply, expecting it would be in the form of literature, such as a pamphlet or brochure of some kind. All in all, I did not believe my efforts would have any traction beyond a few mundane auto-mailed responses. Now, in the age of Google and social media, he would probably have been found out immediately. But in the 1970s, it worked. Ron also had many conversations with the Grand Wizard at the time, David Duke. Ron had mailed in his application for his KKK membership card, but hadn't received a response after about two to three weeks. So he called David Duke directly, and Duke answered. He told Ron that there was a delay in processing the applications, but that he would personally make sure that his application was processed. And he did. Shortly after that, Ron received his membership card. Ron also asked Duke during one of their conversations if he was afraid that an undercover cop would try to infiltrate the KKK or that a black man would call him and pretend to be white. Duke said he wasn't because he could always tell when he was talking to a, y'all know what he said, hard R which was some next-level trolling on Ron's part, and I love it. But during one of these conversations, and you may remember this from the movie, Duke asked about Ron's voice not sounding the same. And as in the movie, (laughs) he told him he had a sinus infection. There was also an initiation ceremony to formalize Ron's clan membership. David Duke attended the ceremony and showed the film The Birth of a Nation, Of course, this ceremony was attended by the white undercover cop posing as Ron, not Ron himself. However, Ron also met Duke in person, but not as a part of his undercover work. This is a part of the movie that lines up pretty closely to the true events. The chief actually assigned Ron to protect Duke during a visit to a local restaurant. Ron was just an officer, and the undercover cop that posed as him was there at the lunch as him. Ron actually introduced himself to Duke to which Duke stated that he appreciated the department's efforts and thanked Ron. But the scene where Ron Stallworth got a picture with David Duke, that actually happened. Here's how it went down according to nypost.com. Ron says, Mr. Duke, no one will ever believe me if I tell them I was your bodyguard. Would you mind taking a picture with me? Duke agreed and Stallworth's partner, who was working undercover, posing as Ron, took the picture. Stallworth, who stood between Duke and another Klansman, the Grand Dragon of Colorado, placed his arms around the shoulders at the last minute, just before his partner snapped the picture. Duke lunged for the picture, but Stallworth was a split second faster and got the photo first. Duke reached toward Stallworth, but Stallworth warned him, if you touch me, I'll arrest you for assault on a police officer. That's worth about five years in prison. Don't do it. (laughs) Duke, furious, stepped back. Unfortunately, the photo has since been lost. Again, this man was the best troll. Now, the investigation lasted around nine months. No arrests were made, and Stallworth never did reveal himself to David Duke as the black undercover officer that infiltrated the KKK, charmed Duke himself, and became a card-wielding member of the Klan. But there were still some successes from all this effort. They were able to identify several members of the Klan, Some held positions in the military. Two members held positions at NORAD, which is the North American Aerospace Defense Command. NORAD provides aerospace warning, air sovereignty, and protection for Northern America, and these men held sensitive positions. Based on what Ron was told, these men were reassigned to remote locations like 
the North Pole or Greenland. They were also able to stop the Klan from firebombing two gay bars in the area and the theft of automatic weapons from Fort Carson. Ron Stallworth also described how they were able to stop three planned cross burnings, which have been classified as domestic acts of terrorism. Members of the Colorado Springs Klan chapter would tell Ron of the plans to burn crosses. He would call dispatch and patrol cars would flood the area. The members would go to the area, but get scared and leave after seeing how many police cars were there. In his book, Stallworth stated, As a result of our combined efforts, no parent of a black or other minority child had to explain why an 18-foot cross was seen burning. No child in the city limits had to experience firsthand the fear brought on by this act of terror. Through the investigation, they were also able to link the Klan to an American Nazi party group in Denver and a militant Posse Comitatus organization. Some great intel was gained and some tragedy stopped. You may be wondering why the investigation only lasted nine months. After all, they could have found out a lot more information, stopped a lot more violence, and possibly even shut down the chapter, right? Well, Ron slash his stand-in were nominated to become the local chapter president of the Klan. Upon learning this, the chief got worried that the police department's ties to the KKK could be leaked and damage the reputation. Even though it was an undercover operation, he didn't want to take the risk, so he ordered Ron to end the investigation immediately and destroy all the evidence. Ron ended the investigation, but he also kept two notebooks of evidence that were about three inches thick. Now, during the same year, Ron married his wife of 25 years, Michelle. They had two sons. After the investigation ended, Ron Stallworth worked as an investigator in the Wyoming Attorney General's office. In 1986, he was recruited by the Utah Department of Public Safety as an undercover narcotics and liquor enforcement investigator. According to Stallworth, he hated it. <laughs> in an interview with the Salt Lake Tribune, he stated, quote, I worked for some assholes at the DPS. I basically came to work every day hating the place, end quote. It didn't start out so bad, though. He actually inspired the creation of the Metro Gang Unit in Salt Lake County, consisting of cops from multiple police departments and FBI agents that focus on gang activity. He did this with a report about Crips and Bloods moving to California. He also studied rap lyrics about gangs and violence and interviewed Ice Cube after a concert in 1993. It wasn't until 1996 that he became miserable working for the department, under the lead of the following two commissioners. In 2000, he started overseeing the department's program for concealed carry permits. After years of frustration with the department and the passing of his wife in 2004, Ron retired one year early in 2005. He then attended Columbia College in Salt Lake City, where he earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice in 2007. He stayed in Utah and consulted on gang prevention, writing four books on gang culture. He also released his book, Black Klansmen, Race, Hate, and the Undercover Investigation of a Lifetime in 2014. He moved back to El Paso in 2016 and married his current wife, Patsy, whom he graduated from high school with. In 2014, a major motion picture studio bought the rights to Black Klansmen after it was published, but the contract expired without any traction on it. It wasn't until 2016 that another company bought the film rights and notified Ron that the movie would be produced by Jordan Peele and directed by Spike Lee. Ron was active in the creation of the movie. 
He met with actors and also participated in book signings and private screenings of the movie. In 2019, Stallworth was named the Grand Marshal of the Sun Bowl Parade in his hometown of El Paso, Texas, where he still resides with his wife, Patsy. Unlike in the movie, it wasn't until 2006 that David Duke found out that Ron Stallworth was actually a black man. And as for his clan membership card, he still has it. It was framed and hung in his office wall for years. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into the first episode of my podcast. (laughs) I'm pretty excited and I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, New episodes will be dropping promptly at 10 a.m. every Sunday. And if there are any movies or TV shows that you would like me to address the true story behind, or if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can email me at jazzycasts at gmail.com. That's J-A-Z-Z-Y-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Thank you.